Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. God is going to minister to you right where you're at. Get ready. Praise the Lord. Now today, let's first of all, honor the Lord with our finances by bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. And I want to uh, read one verse to you today. And I want you to think about something that maybe that we haven't meditated on enough. Look at this Malachi chapter three. And I want to show you something in verse eight. Praise the Lord. Now it says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, let's think just for a moment. I'm sure many of you have heard uh, perhaps some preachers, maybe other Christians say that tithing was under the old covenant or it was, it belonged to the old Testament. And therefore we don't have to tithe anymore, but look very carefully at verse eight. Well, a man robbed God yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and, and offerings? Wow. My friends, let me just be very clear. If God does not require you to tithe, neither does he require you to ever give an offering. So some ministers say, well, we don't, we don't have to follow tithing anymore. Well, just go ahead and go all the way with that because you cannot separate the two tithes and offerings. In other words, if a preacher believes, well, we should not receive tithes from the people. Well, go ahead and believe the whole scripture. Don't receive any offerings either. None. Matter of fact, if they've given them, return them back to the people. <laughs> wow. So my friends, tithing of course is for today. Why? Because offerings are for today, are for today also. Now we're not going to dive into the theology of tithing, which is the giving of 10% of your income to the Lord that is clearly expressed in the new Testament. The apostle Paul took time to bring that out in the book of Hebrews chapter seven, where we clearly see that Jesus is still receiving the tithe today. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But I want you to know that because tithes are being received, offerings are also being received. You can't say we don't, uh, we'll take one, but we won't take the other. No, it's tithes and offerings. Praise the Lord. Now, somebody might say, well, Pastor Stephen, it seems like God only has on his mind uh, getting more and more money somehow into his system. No, it's obviously not about that, and you can prove it. Well, how can you do that, Pastor Stephen? Well, to me, it's pretty simple. When you look back to when God did institute tithing, the giving of the 10% to the Lord. And God actually said, the 10% belongs to me. It's mine. And if you take it, you're stealing it. So the Lord said, the 10% is mine. Stop and think about this. Have you ever gotten a car loan where you financed a car uh, and you go out and you know, they may of course give you some money. They're going to knock it money down off the MSRP. But if you're going to finance it, you're eventually going to be working with a finance rate. And as we know, those rates can change. And over the last year, they have gone up, haven't they? Now, the same thing if you're buying a house. If you go out to buy a house, you want to get a good rate. And the rates have gone up over the last couple of years. About, about uh, two and a half, three years ago, the rates were really, really good. But they've gone up. So the rates change. But show me one time in the Bible where God's rate has ever changed on the tithe. So over 3,800 years ago, God said the tithe belongs to me. If God was after just your money and not trying to get you on a system of faith and trust and reliance in him that is built on the platform of a covenant where you obey him. And now because you are keeping his word, he's obligated to watch over his word and perform it in your life. Well, my friends, we can see 
that God's word is true because God's never changed the rate. He's 3,800 years ago. He said 10% and he's never once raised it to 11. He's never raised it to 12 or 13 or anything like that. Wow. So this is a teaching faith principle. Well, pastor Stephen, then what is the tithe and offerings? What's it really all about? It's very easy. I can give it to you in one word, obedience, obedience. We just do what God says. And if the Lord says, these are my commandments, and this is what you must do to obey me, we obey. Woo. Praise the Lord. And let me say this very clearly. If God had said 90% is mine and you can keep 10%, he would have empowered you supernaturally to live off the 10%. But he didn't. He didn't. He said, I'll take the 10. That's already mine. And you just work with the Holy Spirit on your responsibility of what you should sow as financial seed in the form of an offering. Praise God. Look at Isaiah 1 verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. What is tithing about? And the giving of offerings. It's about, it's about being obedient. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't really believe in that prosperity stuff. Well, again, if that is your persuasion, then, then embrace it and live in it 100%. If that's really what you proclaim, move out of your house and live out of your car. Hmm. See, again, some people say, well, I don't believe, I don't believe in tithing. Well, then you don't believe in giving offerings either. That leaves you like a, like a, like a, um, the old Scrooge in the old movie. Wow. Which is a place certainly that we would never want to be in. We want to be happy, cheerful, obedient givers. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your expectations high. Some people, they have low expectations, and uh, the, expect, the expectations are even kind of boring. They're so low. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor Stephen, I, I just want to be debt-free. I want all of my debts paid off. I want to be debt-free. Well, even if you're debt-free, you're still just level. You're like ground level. What you should believe for is something more exciting. Believe God. Use your faith in God and the application of His Word to not only see your debts paid off. Let's say that you have $300,000 in debt. Maybe you have a home. Maybe you have a vehicle. Maybe you have a few credit cards. Maybe it all accumulates to a total of $300,000. Believe God to have your $300,000 debt completely paid off, and at the same time, believe to have a minimum of $300,000 cash in the bank. Liquid available. Available for you in, in a good bank. Praise the Lord. Now, now you're getting to something that can be uh, exciting, where your expectation is like, oh yes, I could go for that. Praise the Lord. Because if we're just debt free, we're just level. We must have more than that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Believe for abundance and overflow. And as you believe, obey the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people that they are not just hearers, but they are doers of your word. And they delight, they delight to obey your word. Now, Father, as they honor you with the tithe and with offerings, bless them, O God, with overflow, with abundance. And let them eat the good of the land. Now we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Woo, praise the Lord. Now for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithe and your offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Now, if you prefer to go online and bring them in online, you can do so. It's very safe, highly encrypted, very secure. Please visit our website, stephenbrooks.org. And there's a link at the top that says, give online. And you can click that header up there at the top of the website. And it takes you to the giving page. Then you see the little drop down area. It says F-U-N-D, fund. And it's fun to give into the fund. Amen. Because it's a joy to obey the Lord. And then the little drop down menu will come down. You'll see the area for the tithe. And then you'll see areas that you could sow as an offering into. Praise God. Hallelujah. I see you highly blessed 
and greatly favored. I see you as one of those who finishes your life on earth and you step over in the heaven and in heaven you rejoice that because while you were on the earth, you were a tither. Hallelujah. Who builds church buildings? Tithers. Who builds television studios for Christian TV? Tithers. Who builds the beautiful works of the Lord? Tithers and those that give. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You will step over with dignity and great honor. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, let's go today to the Gospel of John. I want to talk about receiving miracles of healing, and because of the flow of this uh, message, it also works in the same area of finances. So I want to talk about receiving miracle healings, and maybe you need one. I, wa I want you to pay careful attention to today's message. Praise God. John chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 1. Let's pray. Father, as we're jumping into your word to explore its beautiful truths, we pray that your Holy Spirit will come and help us to take this word to heart, because there will be areas where we can apply this today. Now, we thank you for this, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name, and we say amen. All right, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Well, of course, John doesn't actually tell us what that feast was, but it would appear to be the Feast of Purim. Verse 2, now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool. Now, something fascinating about Jerusalem is its many gates. You have the Eastern Gate, sometimes called the Golden Gate. You have the lion's gate. You have all of these different gates. You have the sheep gate. Uh, you have um, the dung gate, which I kind of really like that gate. And that's, of course, where they carried the dung in and out of the old city uh, and, uh, you know, throw it out in the Kidron Valley, big dumping area from ancient time. But, uh, of course, that's, that's the gate you would want to come into if you want to go directly to the Western Wall. But it's a joy to study the various gates around the city. It does take about an hour if you want to walk around the old city, Jerusalem. And we, when we were there just a few weeks ago, I encouraged uh, some of those when we had a little free time on our half-off day to do uh, possibly that walk. And a whole group of ladies took me up on it, and they went and they walked and prayed around the entire city. They walked all the way around it. Praise the Lord. And of course, when you make that walk, you see the various gates. And then in your mind, you begin to understand the layout. And that's very, very beneficial. So the reason it's called the Sheep Gate is during the time of Jesus, right here as we're reading in this context, this is where the, the sheep that were going to be sacrificed at the altar there at the temple, this is where you bring them in at. This is the area where they're brought in. So now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda having five porches. Now that, that pool of course is still there today, but the water is no longer flowing. What happened is that during this time right here, if we were to even go further back in time, a couple hundred years this was a place that, you know, when Rome began to occupy the land of Israel, <coughs> excuse me, when they began to, uh, you know, take over Jerusalem and so forth and uh, subjugate it, they did notice that here at, these, uh, at this area now known as the Pool of Bethesda, uh, there was fresh water flowing in. So there was a spring bringing in fresh water, and they built this beautiful uh you know, uh, columns and the big roof over it. And there are a lot of frescoes and a lot of beautiful granite. And it was where all of the wealthy people went to, uh, who wanted to just relax and enjoy the fresh springs. But over time, the spring stopped flowing and then the water would become somewhat stagnant. And today it's not flowing at all. Now, if you go there today, you do see that 
the Israeli uh, the, the division of the uh, government that's over all of the archaeology, they're about ready to really begin to excavate this like they never have before. And that's going to be a very, very exciting uh, process to watch that excavation unfold. But what happened is when the spring stopped flowing, the rich people just said, well, the party's over. <laughs> Let's go somewhere else. And they cleared out. And uh, there's no such thing as a vacuum. If you move out, somebody else is going to move in. And the poor people moved in. The sick people, primarily, who could not get healed, they moved in and kind of, in a sense, just took over. And this place was called Bethesda, and that means house of mercy. And it had five porches, and uh, you can still see those porches, those large columns that are still there today. Now, verse 3. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Now, th this is interesting, a great multitude. I want you to visualize this in your mind. When you do visit Israel and you see the Pool of Bethesda, you realize, hey, this is pretty big. In other words, there's not 10 or 20 people that are sick laying around. There was most likely hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all sick, almost like laying on top of each other, laying around. So this is very accurate. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Now we have some of the uh, conditions mentioned. Blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. I was in a very prestigious church years back, maybe about 30 years ago, and there was a guest speaker. He was a very dignified speaker, uh, highly educated, and he opened this Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 5, and he began to teach on this uh, text that we're covering today. And when he just read verse 4, like I just read verse 4, he stopped for a moment, and he said to the audience of about 10,000 people, he said, you know, he said, I believe the Bible, but he said, I don't know what this verse is doing in the Bible. He said, I have to admit, I don't believe this. And I just sat there, and without having uh, all of the uh, higher education and all of the seminary schooling that he had, I sat there and I thought, you fool, you just publicly confessed your doubt and unbelief in the Word of God simply because there's something you can't wrap your mind around. Mm -mm. My friends, please be very, very careful with these things. You do have to understand that the supernatural is always highly controversial, especially amongst those that would be considered the intellectuals. And I'm all 100% for developing your mind to its full potential, but not at the expense of the uh, emaciation of your spirit because the proper divine order is spirit, soul, body. Now, spirit, soul, your soul includes your mind, your will, and your emotions, and then your body. But if you put the mind first, uh, it's very easy to miss some of the easiest miracles that God would want to get over to you, but you can't catch them because that is on a spiritual frequency. Now, there are places even today in the earth that have special water areas. One of them, of course, would be Lord's France. Did you know that more people every year go to visit Lord's France, L-O-U-R-D-E-S, than people go to Disney World? Isn't that amazing? So I think, I think last year they had 6 million people that went to the site where this uh, precious young girl she had a visitation, supernatural visitation from Mary and uh, the mother of Jesus, and the water was blessed. And over the decades, hundreds, if not thousands of people have been healed of incurable diseases when they drank the water. Now, here's the catch. While uh, many, many, many have been healed at Lord's France, many, many more have not. I would probably say that 99% were not healed. They went there expecting something, hoping for something, 
and it didn't happen. But you know, you have a nice experience. You meet other believers in Jesus. <laughs> Shake their hand and say, God bless you. I hope you get your miracle. I hope that water does something for you. But the reality is, is that it's not that often that the angel touches that water that the people drink. And that's just one example of Lord's France. There's others, uh, other places in Europe that I could mention, a few places in America. And of course, here in uh, Israel, there is the pool of Bethesda. Praise God. Now, whoever got in first, you got your, you got your healing. Now, we see that if one person got in, he was healed. But let's say that maybe 20 people jumped in right after him. Nothing happened to them. So what are we looking at here? We are looking at a healing anointing, but it's limited in its scope. It's not going to get everybody healed. It's not even going to get a handful of people healed. It's only going to get one person healed. And that's just the way that anointing worked in that location. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We need to know how the Holy Spirit is working in certain situations, not try to squeeze something out of something that it's not going to produce in that area. Praise God. It is possible to go to meetings, having a high expectation, and then you leave and the expectation was not met. Why? Well, it could very well be that the person ministering does not have that capacity to move in that area that you need help in. So maybe you got a really good sermon and maybe you got a little bit of a blessing somehow, but the thing that you really wanted, you couldn't get it. Why? There's not that capacity for that level of anointing. So you need to know that when you have certain types of needs, praise God. That is when you're working that option. Now, I would like to also say that pertaining to the angels, we know that Jesus is our healer. He is the head of the church. But you have to understand that Jesus works through the angels that are beneath him that are at his command. I'll give you an example. The wife of the prophet Kenneth Hagin, Mrs. Aretha Hagin, when she got older in life, she had a real heart problem and it was diagnosed as incurable and it was definitely something that was going to take her out. So, she really needed a miracle from God. And you know what? Even though her husband was one of the greatest teachers on the subject of faith, she could not ride on her husband's faith. She needed a personal miracle, so she knew that she had to build up her own personal faith. And she did that. And she meditated on God's healing promises. And there came a time, uh, a few months thereafter, when an angel actually appeared to her having just been sent from heaven and he had a new heart and he put that new heart into her and she was thus able to live out the full duration of her life. Woo. Praise God. Think about that. So the angels just work under the Lord's command. I uh, have heard many testimonies along this line where angels go to dispatch the healing. Now the healing comes from Jesus, but they are involved in it. And I've, I've seen many angels when I'm ministering to people in the healing lines, I've seen the angels standing there to help me minister in that healing anointing. Praise God. That doesn't mean the angels are the healers, but they absolutely are involved in the Lord's work. Praise God. Now let's continue on. Let's drop down now to verse five. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. His infirmity is that he is paralyzed. My friends, that's a long time to be laying around. There's a lot that you're going to have missed out on in life. And he is located in this one location. You know, it is true in some ways that misery loves company. And so it is very much possible because I've, I've overheard the conversations of some people that um, never wanted to have what they have for so long, but they do. And they've had it for so long, it's like they, they identify it as being their own. Maybe they even wear it as a badge. Maybe they're even proud of it, 
although it's something that they certainly don't enjoy having. I wouldn't doubt one bit with the legacy of the pool of Bethesda of his healing legacy that this man perhaps originally went there because he was believing God for his healing. And he was confident that even with the paralysis, maybe somebody could push him in. Uh, maybe he could just lay close enough. He could get a hand over there in the water or something like that. But it would appear that over time he has relinquished, uh, given up on his hope. And now he has just given himself into a position of making excuses. Although he's got some good excuses but you'll see that, that it, they still are excuses. And he has now locked himself in, into a mode where he is just content to write it out. Is he happy about that? Obviously not. Obviously not. But there's always a solution in God. Praise the Lord. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. Now, how would that knowing have taken place? It could be that the Holy Spirit gave Jesus a word of knowledge. It wouldn't surprise me one bit that the Holy Spirit told Jesus that this man has been laying here for 38 years. And it's not like Jesus is walking around Jerusalem, meeting everybody, saying, Hi, I just want you to know I'm the Messiah. What's your name? I, I just want to know who all my subjects are in my new kingdom. He wasn't doing that. And Jerusalem was a very big city. So I believe that the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus this man's condition through the gift of the Spirit known as the Word of Knowledge. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? There are some questions that Jesus asked certain people in the Bible that when you've that when you first hear him say it, it can certainly um, make you pause and think, well, doesn't he know what's going on? The time that Jesus stopped and allowed Bartimaeus, the blind man, to address him. And Bartimaeus comes and stands before Jesus, and he's totally blind. He can't see anything. And we have something very similar where Jesus said to him, what is it you want me to do for you? And you would think, well, Lord, can't you tell he's blind? Well, of course the Lord can tell, but it doesn't work like that. He doesn't operate like that. And these are things that we must understand in order to receive unusual miracles and also supernatural provision. Praise God. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I, I heard once of an international conference hosted by a mainline denomination where they brought their most gifted theologians in and they had a conference solely based on trying to understand what Jesus meant when he spoke to blind Bartimaeus and said, what do you want me to do for you? Woo. And they, they, they could, when the conference was over, they still, they still couldn't come up with a solid answer as to why Jesus talks like that and behaves like that. Well, here he is doing it again. Uh, he says, do you want to be made well? Well, Jesus, of course he does. Not so fast. Not so fast. There are people who have been in that wheelchair for so long, they don't want to get out of it. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that can't be. Trust me, it is. I've ministered in countless churches. I've ministered to people in healing lines over and over and over. And I meet people who are quite comfortable with their situation. And there are perks and benefits that go along with all of that. And if you are handicapped and you are still able to drive, you get the blue placard that you can put uh, in your car and hang it on your rear view mirror. And that placard gives you front row parking at the grocery store. It gives you front row parking anywhere and you get handicapped parking. And if you get healed, you have to get rid of that. And you may have to park way at in the back at the far end of the parking lot and walk. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you'd be surprised how many don't want to give up that blue placard that says 
handicapped. Praise the Lord. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? What happens to a man when he doesn't work for 38 years? Is something stripped out of him where he may even wonder, I don't even know if I can work anymore. I don't even know if I have the manhood in me to work anymore. Hmm. The Holy Spirit is here today to restore dignity to you. The Holy Spirit is here today to lift you up and to crush any area of your life where Satan has tried to occupy, and he's been there for too long already. He's going to have to leave. Amen. Just like this paralysis is going to have to leave this man. But you have to want it to leave. Anything that you tolerate will never leave your life. So you have to want the paralysis to leave. And yes, this is going to mean a big change for him. It's going to mean, first of all, all of these people, and remember, there's a great multitude. He probably knows them all by name, and they probably know him all by name. They talk to each other in the morning when they wake up, and they are dependent on handouts. They are dependent on somebody giving them a little bit of food or this or that or the other. Maybe somebody throw them a blanket. And by the way, they all had a beggar's garment, uh, something given by the officials that, that certify that they were truly handicapped. They're not somebody trying to work the system. But still, if you want to come out of that system, it has to come out of you. And that's the thing about long-term welfare. It's not well, and it's not fair. It is designed to entrap people where they become dependent, just like a rat becomes dependent. Uh, and you can train that rat where he thinks, I, I can't do anything. Now, I'm so used to getting the free government handout card that I don't even know if I can work anymore. But God has a good system. Well, he will integrate you into his system and he will not overwhelm you, not demand too much from you, but he will uh, bring you to that place of your maximum current, maximum output and capacity. And he'll expect you to give your best for where you're at. And then in three months, you'll be stronger. And then in six months, you're on your feet solid and, and, and you're, you're back up and you're operating and you're, you are utilizing the full potential that God has put in you. Praise the Lord. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Notice he's not even answering the Lord's questions. Jesus asked him a question. It's a yes or no answer. Do you want to be made well? What does he start doing? He does perhaps what some of you are doing today. You're making excuses for why it can't work for you. And I'll give you credit. You might have some pretty good reasons why. They, they could be some very good excuses where you think, well, you're right. That is a good one. But it's still an excuse for why you can't be blessed. Praise God. Please follow now very, very carefully with me as the Holy Spirit is going to be bringing you illumination for why you can, for why and how you can get up right now and walk out of that situation that formerly glorified the enemy, that formerly uh, highlighted defeat and frustration, and now takes you to a place where God is working in a way through your life where you have your dignity restored and now you're blessed to be a blessing. Praise the Lord. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And I've heard out of the mouths of many Christians. I've heard some, I'll give you an example. I hear some, they, they struggle financially. And then they'll say something like, well, I sure hope that investment comes through. And it's some kind of a wild, like penny stock investment. And the penny stock is not even worth a penny. It's like 0. 0.00002. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I have a million shares. And when it comes through, I'll be worth a million dollars. It ain't ever going to come through. It's being operated by somebody who's running some silly business out of his garage and that's why it's not even worth a penny. It's garbage. It's total garbage. And nothing's ever, ever going to happen. And so they're making excuses. 
of why they can't be blessed now. But when that happens, that, 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 then, 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 then it'll work. Some people say, Pastor Stephen, I have, I've secretly invested in um, foreign currencies. I hold the, um, the Iraqi dinar. I hold these other very low, low currencies. And maybe someday when they revalue, then overnight I'll become a multimillionaire. So they keep making excuses for why they can't prosper right now. And they've got a whole lineup of excuses. They've got them in their financial life. Then they've got them in their healing area of their life. And they say, my grandfather had this disease and it was passed to my father, and now it's passed to me. Pastor Stephen, it's genetic. I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But see, people have all these different excuses, and they are excuses for why they believe they can stay in failure. So this man was paralyzed. He was paralyzed physically, but he was paralyzed also in his faith, and he's not using his faith one bit. Praise the Lord. He's waiting for a sovereign act of God. And God at times does move sovereignly. Maybe, maybe once every 12 years. Maybe God just says, you know, today is just one of those days. I, th I think it's a good day. It's not raining today. The sun's shining. Uh, the people seem to be a little bit happier today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let somebody have it really good. And God dispatches one of his angels and just says, go on down there and first one in, bless them. You know, the first one to stand up in church on the right side, uh, and uh, the first one to lift their, hand, their right hand, just bust their socks off. And so sometimes you do have what we would call sovereign moves of God, and you can't maybe even find a justifiable reason of why that happened. But we can't deny that it did. Praise the Lord. This is why I'm thankful for those pioneers of the faith. In the prophetic realm, I would say one of those great pioneers would be Bishop Bill Hammond, who understood by the revelation of the Word of God through the Holy Spirit that if we are going to prophesy over people and we're waiting for something sovereign to happen, uh, this is hardly ever, ever going to happen. But if we will stir up the gift, if we will pray and fast and seek God, then we can come to meetings and then we can be ready to move. And then the Holy Spirit anointing will come and then we can prophesy. Wow. And some of the most startling, spectacular prophecies I have received have not been when something uh, happened by a sovereign move, such as the angel coming and stirring the water, but came rather when somebody stirred themselves up to pray. I was in Israel with my wife and one of the women on the tour, a woman that seems to pray day and night, probably does, probably just about prays day and night. She came over to me and said, Pastor Stephen, the Lord has spoken something to me. Can I share the, share the prophecy with you? I said, yes. And I do what I would encourage anybody to do when somebody is going to share a prophetic word with you, get it. Now, we, we would say 20 years ago, get it on cassette tape. Okay, so tapes are long gone. <laughs> and I was trained in the prophetic camp, but when we prophesied, you know, we would not only record it, we would hand it out on a cassette tape, and we'd give these people all these tapes. So get your phone out and just put it on the video mode and hit record. Okay, so that's what I did. And she shared a word with me that was so straight from heaven that even a couple of days ago when I sat down and I was still meditating, meditating on it and looking at what she had told me, because she got it from Jesus, when I looked at it, I just said, my God, <laughs> I said, that is so crazy good because it fit me. It was, so, it was solely for me. It was not fabricated for anybody else. It came straight from heaven just for, for me. God told her to tell it to me. And every time I look at it, I just get so blessed I can hardly stand it. What do we do with things like that? We do what Paul uh, told Timothy to, to do. You fight the good warfare uh, by waging war over the prophecies. And you pray over it. And you meditate on it. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Hallelujah. But my friends, that wasn't something sovereign where we were just standing around and some, suddenly the Holy Spirit sovereignly touched her and she says, oh, 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 thus says the Lord, Pastor Stephen, this is what, no, no, it wasn't anything like that. She had just spent time with God, had stirred up the spirit of prophecy. God spoke to her. She came over and gave it to me. Had the whole thing written out. Mm -mm. Glory, glory to God. Amen. My friends, there are the sovereign movements. And you could have something where God stirs the water and you have your moment. But I'll tell you a better way. And here's the better way. Should you get it through the sovereign move? Jump in. Hallelujah. But here's how you can always get it. Instead of focusing on the water as a covenant child of God, because trust me, all these people laying around are who? Sick people? Yes. What kind of sick people? Jewish sick people and the Jews have a covenant with God. And in that covenant is included healing. Praise God. So instead of sitting around hoping that the water is going to get stirred up, knowing that maybe, hey, this might only happen once every three years. So instead of wasting all that time and making a whole bunch of excuses of why you can't be healed, why not just realize, hey, you're laying here. You are a covenant child of God. You have a right to be healed. Now get into the promises of healing, get them from your head into your spirit. You got all day, you're paralyzed. You've got all day with nothing to do, but meditate on the word of God. This probably won't take too long if we really apply ourselves. Praise the Lord. Like, like, what do you mean, Pastor Stephen? Well, let's go back to John five in just a moment, but let's turn, for example, to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. If you diligently, so you have to be diligent. You have to be diligent, not lethargic. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God and do what is right in his sight. So you have to walk in obedience, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. What if he would have laid there all day and had this verse written out? Now I know back then they had scrolls. Okay. But what if he had this written out and he just meditated on that all day long that Jesus is, or God is the one Hashem is the one who takes disease off of me and he's the Lord who heals me. I believe it. I believe it. And what if he spoke it and confessed it? And uh, although he is paralyzed, what if he opened his mouth? Because he obviously can talk and said, God, you're my healer. You're my healer. Your power. Let it touch me now. I don't have to lay here for another day. Praise God. Mm -mm. So it's your focus. You can focus on the problems. And I'm not denying that they aren't there. Neither am I denying that there's probably some pretty... Uh, heavy situations, but I'm just saying it's not, it's not anything that the word can't handle. Who praise God. What about Exodus chapter 23? This is what he also could have done. These all belong to him. They all belong to him. Exodus 23 verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord, your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. So now we've had a previous verse saying he'll take disease away from you. And now we have a verse saying he'll take sickness away from you. No one shall suffer a miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Well, Pastor Steve, I just, you know, all my relatives, they died young. Well, what about, what about Exodus chapter 20? Three, verse 26, that says, you will fulfill the number of your days. If you have a fear of dying young, you need to overwhelm that fear and starve it to death by feeding your faith the truth that God said, I will fulfill the number of your days. Just tell the devil, I ain't going nowhere until I have fulfilled the number of my days. And then when I go, I'll go on my own terms. You don't have to die sick. You could just live your life out and you've reached the age where the Lord uh, lets you know it's time to go home and you just go. You just leave your body. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Hallelujah. He could have laid there all day and meditated on that. He could have had somebody prop him up and uh, put him in the shade so he could just meditate. Somebody could have just written out these three verses. He could have meditated on them. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. One more, one more. Psalm 103. They all knew the Psalms. The Jewish people all knew the Psalms. Whenever pilgrims made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year for the feast, they all knew the Psalms. They would sing the Psalms of Ascent as they went up because Jerusalem is, is elevated and you would sing these Psalms. They were called the Psalms of Ascent. That's the ones you would sing as you would go up. Praise God. So they knew all the Psalms. And I'm sure that they knew Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Well, here are some of the benefits of belonging to the Lord and serving Him. Who forgives all your iniquities. Well, that's really good. Who heals all, all your diseases. All your diseases. My friends, we have to remove excuses for why we can't be healed. We have to remove excuses for why we cannot be blessed financially. And we have to stop uh, even trying to convince Jesus that it just can't happen for us. Wow. Woo. Praise the Lord. Now, very quickly, let's go back to John chapter five, John chapter five. Now notice that in verse seven, that the man does not answer Jesus, but makes excuses. And notice that Jesus doesn't respond to his excuses, but flowing with the Holy Spirit speaks forth a supernatural word of wisdom. The supernatural word of wisdom is not an encyclopedia or a book of wisdom. It's a word. It could be literally one sentence as it is in this case, but a word of wisdom will always carry an instruction that you have to obey. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. In other words, the Lord's not going to listen to all this excuse talk. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, some Christians today would be very quick to respond if they had been there in place of that man. And they would have said, well, Lord, what do you mean? Rise. Can't you see? I can't Lord. Can't you see I'm paralyzed? Okay. So if you're not going to honor the Lord and believe the Lord and believe his word, then the 38 years could be extended. But my friends, it's time to move. It's time to stop making excuses. Take a hold of the word that God speaks to you and obey it and begin to walk it out. And your situation will begin to turn and you will truly find out that God's word, which is the, uh, the hammer of God is able to shatter anything that would try to block your path forward. Praise God. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. They, uh, then they asked him, who was the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk. But the one who was healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. So it would appear that Jesus went looking for him, found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Praise the Lord. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. My friends, be an addict of obedience. Obey the Word of God. Ask the Lord every day in your prayer life. Say, Lord, lead me away from temptation and deliver me from evil. Tell the Lord, I don't want anything to do with evil. I don't want anything to do with sin. Lord, I want to live right, and I want to honor you, and I want to run with you. So, Lord, protect me and keep me from the enemy, and he will. Praise God. So we see that uh, the Lord spoke to this man about that. Now, said no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. It is possible 
to receive a divine healing. This man was healed from paralysis, but yet even something worse come. If you don't honor the Lord with your life and live your life for the Lord, and if you don't defend what is rightfully yours, your healing, your status in Christ, your position of being blessed, if you don't defend it, it is possible that the devil can try to come and steal what, what has been given to you, even a beautiful healing. And one of the ways that he comes, the enemy comes, he has a special squadron of evil spirits that are called lying symptoms, L-Y-I-N-G, lying symptoms. They are evil spirits that would try to come back after you've received a miracle from God, and they would try to uh, put a symptom back on you. And if you receive the symptom and say, oh, well, I, I guess it didn't happen after all, then they will rush in and it will be worse than what it was before. You know, many years back in the late 90s, uh, Pastor Benny Hinn was having just incredible healing miracles in his meetings. But it was Dr. Norville Hayes that told Pastor Benny, he said, you're having so many amazing miracles. But he said, many of these people, because I've talked to them later, many of these people are losing their miracles. And so you have to teach them how to keep it. And that is why that anytime uh, people would be healed, they would get into their hands a little booklet that would help them to hold on to their miracle. Praise God. Now, let me share something about symptoms just for a moment. Whether they would try to come back on you to uh, take away uh, something that God has given you, or maybe they would just try to come for the first time uh, in, in a, some type of new form of affliction. And I want to read a quote that was made by G.C. Bevington in his book, Modern Miracles Through Prayer and Faith. By the way, when you think about uh, miracles through prayer, one of the greatest examples in church history would be George Mueller, who had the orphanage in England, and through a life of faith and prayer, was able over the decades to feed thousands and thousands of orphans every single day. Praise God. Well, Brother Bevington was not nearly as well known, but those that knew him said that he had that same type of miracle faith, and he would continually see uh, miracle financial provision, and he would pray, and he would also use his faith, and then God would do money miracles for him, and God, of course, would do many, many healing miracles as well, because it all, it's all working along that same corridor of faith in God, faith in God's Word, and having a very strong prayer life. But this is what Brother Bevington said about symptoms. He said, I am reminded of something that I feel should be recorded right here relative to symptoms. When I first understood about divine healing, I was taught that in order to exercise faith and get direct results, I must deny the symptoms. Well, of course, I tried that. Now, some of you probably have tried that too. You've, you've tried to deny the, the symptoms in the sense like, uh, no, this is not happening. Uh, this pain is only imaginary. Well, of course, that doesn't work. And Brother Bevington said, well, of course, I tried that, but I would get confused. One time I had a severe toothache. Well, he was told, he said, he was told to just deny it. He said, I did, but the fact was against uh, what was actually taking place, as I knew very well that I had the toothache. <laughs> so I dropped my face. He said, I dropped down on my face and said, now, Lord, these people here, that would be Pentecostal holiness people. And we're, we're going back about 100 years also in church history. He said, these people here tell me to deny that I have the toothache. What am I to do? There must be some better way out of this than that. He said, I lay there over an hour waiting on God. The answer came, and this is it. And this is what God told him. You need not deny the symptoms, but you can deny their right on your body. Praise the Lord. That's something that some of you needed to hear. Because you're too willing 
to accept whatever the devil would present to you. Again, the Lord told him, you need not deny the symptoms, but you can deny their right on your body. Then I saw at once where I had been wrongly instructed. So I jumped up and he said, I will not have it. I belong to Jesus. This body, this head, every tooth belongs to God. It is his property. And he says, you are not your own for you're bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So I took that stand and in 20 minutes, the toothache was gone. Praise the Lord. So we don't deny that there are certain symptoms of pain and sometimes it could be, you know, pretty strong, but we deny their right. So you have to resist with the force of faith and you must have a strong prayer life so that you are energized by the spirit of God. By the way, brother uh, Bevington, uh, you know, the book that he wrote is about 500 pages long. He got himself into some other pickles where he got sick because he had either done something foolish or silly. And because of that, he got sick and, um, and then he needed to get healed. And he had to, he had to apply those same principles. And there were sometimes he didn't get it, get it in 20 minutes. There were a few times he had to stand maybe like two or three days until he got it. But if you'll also take your stand, you'll find out that you don't need 38 years of ongoing misery. Praise God. Get your eyes off the water. Okay. If you, if you just happen to be there and the water's stirring, by all means, jump in. If you just happen to be in the vicinity where, Hey, that water is anointed and an angel comes, well, go ahead and drink it, pour it on your head, throw it on each other. Hallelujah. Have a good time. But outside of that, which is kind of a rare sovereign thing, get the word of God into you. Amen. Could you imagine if he'd have got the word of God into him? He could have stood up in front of all those people and said, I'm healed. God's power just came all over me. I'm healed. Amen. Praise the Lord. And not only when you get your healing like that, it's almost impossible for the devil to put it back on you. Why? Because you, it's like riding a bicycle. You know, you know how to ride it and you never forget. So you know how to work the word. Praise God. Now lift your hands. If you're sick, if you have a long-term illness or disease, lift your hands. Father, I pray right now for those that are watching. Maybe there have, there have been some, they've had long-term financial sickness and they've struggled and struggled, but Lord, there's going to be the breakthrough. And I release the healing anointing. Now I release the financial breakthrough anointing. Now take it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's healing angels that work under the Lord's command that are coming to minister to you right now. Receive the healing anointing. There are financial breakthrough angels that are coming right now to change your financial course of destiny. Receive their help right now in Jesus name. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hands and praise the Lord and say the word of God is working in my life. Say, Jesus is my healer. He's healing me now. Praise God. Faith must always be in the now. Faith is. Now faith is. The evidence. Sometime uh, back a person, a theologian said, uh, the word now in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it's not really there in the Greek. Even if it's not, which technically it is, it depends on which text you read in the Masoretic text. Uh, Old Testament, Textus Receptus, New Testament, which are the only texts that I ever want to base my uh, Bible translations off of. Uh, it actually is in the New Text, uh, the Textus Receptus. But nevertheless, you can still tell that it's now. Why? Fe now faith is. Even if you took the word now out, faith is. Let me ask you this. Is the word is, is it past or is it future or is it present tense? Now faith is. Not, not now faith was back in the 1920s. Not now faith will be when we get to the 2050s. No, no. Now faith is. Your faith must be online for your miracle right now. Praise God. Keep it plugged in. And God will see to it that your breakthrough manifests right on time. But keep it plugged in all the time. Amen.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Get your eyes on the Word. Amen. There's many different venues that God could heal through by the power of His Spirit, but the greatest one is His Word. And that dear man had it available all the time and did not take a hold of it. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, the mercy of God. That's why it's the pool of Bethesda. Jesus came by anyhow and released healing mercy. Amen. But my friends, you may never make it to the pool of Bethesda. I hope you do. I'd love to take you there on tour. We plan on going back in the year of May 2023. But let me say this, even though you may never touch those five porches, you can touch God through faith, and God will show up and do the great miracle for you. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people. We thank you that as of today, no more excuses proclamations of your faithfulness and confessions of the power of your word to which we hold on to. Now we thank you that you watch over it to perform it in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Woo. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and savior, all of the covenant blessings plus the big one, eternal life, and forgiveness of sins, you can step into right now by releasing your faith in Christ as your Savior. Praise God. I'd like to pray for you, okay? And I would also like at the same time to pray for those that perhaps used to walk with the Lord, but you fell away. You fell away into unbelief, perhaps excuse making, and maybe you ended up like the prodigal son in a pig pen, a world of filth and sin. But you know what? It says that the prodigal son came to his senses and he came back to his father. It's time for you to come back to God today. And you can use your faith to do that right now. Let us all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You are a kind and merciful God. Lord Jesus, you are my healer. And I take you as my healer. But most of all, right now, I take you as my savior. Wash all of my sins away. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, step into my life. And from this day forward, lead me and guide me in the way that I should go. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I give you all of the praise for you are the Son of God. And I worship you and I praise you. In your name I pray, amen, and amen. Welcome to the family of God. Now let us all take Holy Communion together, because if you are a believer in Jesus, you not only can take communion, you should take communion. This is the miracle meal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So grab some grape juice, and grab a little wafer, praise God, or a little piece of bread or cracker. Let's pray over it and bless it. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it right now. And we set this apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, we're not waiting around for the water to be stirred up. We are moving with your spirit. We are feeding on your word. And faith always has actions and works. So there's always something for us to do. So father, we're occupied day and night in obedience and then moving forward in your kingdom plan. As we receive the Lord's body, we just thank you for showing us the next step forward. And we know that that step is not to make another excuse, but it's to look for the next way forward. And we thank you that you're revealing it Right now, as we receive communion, in Jesus' name, let's partake together. God is moving in your life right now. You're going to have some testimonies. You're going to be able to tell that people stop and say, you know what? That is an absolute, genuine, authentic miracle that God did for you. Yes, yes. What does it make them think? It makes them think that if God did it for you, he can do it for them. That's why you need to have your own personal testimonies. And trust me, you're going to have them. 
Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's mighty cleansing power. We thank you for your mercy. The house of mercy is your house. Extending your mercy right now as we receive the Lord's blood. We forgive anybody who has sinned against us. No matter what they've said or done to us, we forgive them. We bless them in the name of Jesus. And we go on. Father, it may not be possible to even tell them that. For some people in some situations, those who did the offense may not even be alive anymore. But whoever they are, wherever they are, we forgive them. And we move on in you. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let us now receive the Lord's precious blood. Praise the Lord. Rise and be healed. Rise and be healed of your situation. There's not anything I can do, Pastor Stephen. There's always something you could do. There's always something you could do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Use your faith to do what the Holy Spirit is showing you to do. Rise and be healed of any financial challenge. For the Lord is good. He is a God of abundance and provision. Let him put you in the overflow. Use your faith for it. Do not make any excuses. Don't ever say, I can't afford that. Maybe you can't, but don't confess it. Confess abundance, prosperity, and overflow, and use your faith with scriptures to step into that. And you're going to be such a blessing to so many people. Praise God. I believe you'll be a blessing to this ministry in whatever way that God leads you to be so. And thank you for supporting this work of the Lord as we are taking the Word of God through the Internet and through television and through meetings. We're taking it around the world. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Father, I pray over your people. Please, one more time, lift your hands. I pray blessing over your people. Father, there are those that are realizing they've been laying around for too long. They didn't have to wait for 38 years. Father, we thank you for when you move sovereignly, but we thank you that you've put the baton in our hands and you expect us to run. Jesus was given all authority. Then he turned right around and delegated that to the church and said, go into all of the world and preach the gospel. So Father, we must go. And I pray that your people will see the step forward today, that your spirit is working with them right now. Father, every person is in a different place who's hearing me, who's watching me. Everybody is in a different either chapter of their life or season of their life. But there's always a next step to take, to, to rise and be healed. Show them what it is. And I thank you, Father, that I see nothing before them but fullness, fullness in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. My friends, thank you for watching. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Go feed on the Word. Have your focus upon the Lord. And keep your prayer life strong. See you back again real soon. Bye-bye.